0: I'm hoping you'll become more aware of those moments when a deeper part of you is prompting you to see things differently, and maybe even go a new direction. So let's get started. In this episode, I continue reading from my book, Your Soul is Talking. Are you listening? Five steps to uncovering your hidden purpose. By learning the language of the unconscious, you will notice the subtle messages a deeper part of you is sending to get your attention. After sharing all the ways your unconscious speaks, my book goes on to offer a framework for decoding and finding meaning in the messages. Sometimes flashes of insight come quick, and other times it takes months and even years to fully grasp the meaning of the image. My personal stories are meant to help you connect to the concepts and to entertain you too. A sense of humor was an important coping mechanism during my midlife unraveling. In chapter nine, I talk about another way your unconscious speaks to you through obsessions and symptoms like anxiety and even depression. During my midlife reconstruction, I became swept up in a romantic encounter with a man 17 years younger than me. The relationship was full of desire that I hadn't felt before and irony meant to help me reconcile sexuality and spirituality. It ended as dramatically as it had started and I went back to being all serious as I worked to finish my PhD research. As usual, when I get too disciplined, responsible, and serious, that romantic twinge gets activated. Suddenly, the universe presented me with a man who I had known, but who suddenly activated that complex kind of arousal deep within me. There was a night of conversation, drinks, and darts, and then texting with the man who occasionally came back into town on business. He came back to town three months later, and the intensity of the mutual arousal affirmed that I would feel the depth that I had felt in my first post-divorce relationship. This was affirming. But I was a little too eager, I guess. After two nights of connecting on a deep level, the man signaled he was not able to dive into the adventure I was ready for. I began to feel like a stalker, so I deleted his number from my phone to spare me potential embarrassment. When I moved down to my beach town, fantasies of reconnecting with this man emerged and plagued me. I saw his likeness everywhere now, and I became obsessed with him. Ah, but I considered that my obsession was perhaps about something other than this literal man. My obsession eventually took the form of my first short story, The Fantasy. And I began to see that this man symbolized parts of me that were beginning to be expressed. You can read The Fantasy on my website deborahlukovich.com. But the moral of the story is that there is meaning in your obsessions, but it's not what you think. Explore your obsessions, try to find the metaphor and where it's playing out in your life, and have fun. Writing my first short story was terrifying and exciting at the same time. So let's get started. Chapter 9, Anxiety and Obsessions. This chapter helps you explore how symptoms like anxiety and obsessive behaviors can be another way your unconscious is trying to get your attention. I came to understand that when anxiety visits me, there is a new boundary to set with someone or some experience. During my midlife unraveling, the new job that initially felt like the answer to a prayer became unbearable. I couldn't make myself like it anymore, and every ounce of discipline was matched by a stronger sense that my soul depended upon my leaving this job. The more I resisted, the more dramatic my unconscious became. The last night of a work conference, I woke up sweating and feeling anxious after a dream of barely escaping a swirling flock of blackbirds. In the dream, getting into my car and rolling up the window saved me. When I awoke, the anxiety was so intense, I skipped out on the last session and left for the airport without telling anyone. Once on the plane, the feeling of panic overwhelmed me and I embarrassingly explained to the flight attendant that I needed a new seat. I had never had a panic attack, but now that possibility was very real. I had to escape the job situation, but I didn't know how. It wasn't until I had had an honest conversation with the organization about a transition plan that my anxiety was relieved. I had no idea what job would replace the one I now had, and I didn't know if they would allow me to reduce my work schedule, but I had to try. Just like that, the anxiety stopped. I had taken an action that felt terrifying, but right and it worked out. Now, instead of resisting my anxiety, I ask what it wants for me. Sometimes I have an imaginary dialogue with it and write it down. When I ask questions, my anxiety usually responds. You can approach other symptoms in this way, like depression and obsessive behaviors. Reflection questions. Do you think you might be drinking more than you should? Does someone in your family suffer from alcohol addiction and what is their booze of choice? It is a symbol with meaning. For example, what does Captain Morgan Rum want from you or your loved one or Jose Cuervo? What meaning do these characters have for you or the loved one? Do you suffer from chronic anxiety? When is it worse or better and how does it correlate with times of day, weeks, month, year? Does the presence of certain people or events make it worse or better? Do you have a ritual or any obsessive behaviors you're curious about, like a preference for even numbers, avoiding cracks on the sidewalk, or washing your hands? Journal about this and see if you can find a pattern and connect any dots. Sharing my insights. During the most difficult part of my unraveling marriage, I wondered if I was depressed. I didn't think so because I did not feel despair or hopelessness. Rather, I felt impatience and exhaustion. My body was so tired I would crawl back into bed after sending my children off to school. I felt fear at not being able to come back to my energetic self, but I decided to take a chance and listen to my body over my critical and judgmental mind. One day when I melted into my bed and looked up at the slowly turning ceiling fan, I wondered if I had experienced psychological surrender. It didn't feel like giving up Rather, it felt more like getting out of the way so I could allow a different form of intelligence to get to work. I slept and I rested. I gave myself permission to take three-hour naps almost every day for a month without shame. I accepted that my mind could no longer fix the situation. I had to learn how to let go of control, to surrender to another part of me that would take the lead. Months later, as I began to let go of certain ways of thinking, I felt anxiety about what would replace those things I had released. I laughed at the seriousness of my commitment to a strange new daily ritual that spontaneously emerged. I found myself in a trance every morning as I carefully and diligently wiped down the bathroom sink after finishing my hair and makeup. Although I did not realize its purpose at the time, this obsession with the bathroom sink had grounded me. It was one thing over which I had control. A bathroom can also be symbolic of purification, and at an unconscious level, wiping down the sink every morning helped me feel like I was cleaning up the mess in which I found myself. Over time, as I replaced the old ways of thinking and behaving with new ones, the ritual dissipated. More Reflection Questions Obsessive behaviors can be another way your unconscious is helping you manage the discomfort of change, bringing a sense of relief by helping you feel more grounded. What odd behaviors or worrisome symptoms do you have? Do you feel anxiety on a regular basis? Have you felt depressed or wondered whether you were depressed? What is or was happening in your life at that time? Which activities during what times bring relief from your anxiety or depression? Do you make your bed every morning or do you find yourself letting clothes pile up on the floor until there's no visible path? Can you let your dishes dry overnight or must you leave your kitchen spotless before you retire for the night? How does your perfectionism show up or your procrastination? Are you always late? I read somewhere that people who are always late unconsciously seek to compensate for not feeling a sense of control over their lives. What behaviors would you describe as obsessions? Journal your reflections about what the obsession or symptom might be trying to communicate to you. Try this. Journal about behaviors and patterns of thinking that you wonder about. No judgment. Just be a curious observer of your own behavior. Do you have a secret obsession, maybe with a Netflix series or a certain genre of book, film, or music? Do you have important rituals in your life that others might find odd? Do you always need an escape route, for example, always sitting on the aisle in the movie theater or on a plane? That's me. Do you begin to panic if you linger in certain social situations too long? Are your initial waking moments filled with anxiety or dread? Are you irrationally optimistic or pessimistic? Write as much as possible about the potential meaning of your obsession and have a sense of humor about it. Maybe even come up with a clever character name for it. This chapter introduced you to the idea that symptoms like anxiety and obsessive behaviors can be ways your unconscious tries to get your attention. Sometimes you're not aware of the unusual and temporary behavior, and other times you might judge yourself for it. I encourage you to consider these behaviors as helpful and explore what need they are meeting at the time. Knowing that your odd behaviors have purpose can bring a sense of relief and empower you with more control over when and how to intentionally use them. I hope you enjoyed my reading of chapter nine. Perhaps you'll be more curious about your odd behaviors. And if you're in the grips of anxiety or depression, you can begin to look at it in a more symbolic way. Oh, and if you'd like to have me lead you in a short exercise to have a dialogue with your anxiety or any emotion, this is called active imagination, visit my YouTube channel. You can get there via my website, deborahlukovich.com. As usual, I encourage you to journal about all this and just be curious. If you want to learn more now, purchase my book. Chapters 16 through 18 will teach you some specific techniques to explore your dreams. My website also has a free download with guidelines. Stay tuned for what comes next. There's a link in the description box to my website, debralukovitch.com, where you can find more free content and check out my book. Thanks for listening and sharing with others who need my framework for self-reflection. Until next time... I'm your host, Deborah Lukovich, and you are listening to Dose of Depth Podcast. To get updates on new episodes, my writing, and how I teach my clients to get to know that deeper part of themselves, go to DebraLukovic.com. Oh, and if you're not ready for a coach, learn what my clients know in my book, Your Soul is Talking, Are You Listening? Five Steps to Uncovering Your Hidden Purpose. You can check it out on my website or get it on Amazon.